Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show, where we talk about all things about the business of sports. I'm Joe Favorito, usually joined by my co-host, Tom Richardson, who's off doing other things this week. So our able-bodied producer and sometimes voice of the show and also expert on esports, Maurice Eisenman, is going to join me today. Maurice, welcome. Hey, Joe. How are you? Good. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about data integrity, gaming, a little bit about the gambling situation globally, where the business is going. And our guest today is going to be Chris Dugan, the Group Communications Director for Genius Sports. Chris is now based in Washington, D.C., has worked all over the world in the world of gaming and gambling and integrity and politics over the years. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, Joe. Good to, good to speak to you. Hey, Moritz, good to meet you as well. Pleasure. So, so Chris, why don't, before we um, get into some of the, the details, why don't you tell everyone who may not be familiar with exactly the, the genesis of Genius Sports, how it came about, why it's in the United States, and more importantly, tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are now. Um, okay, thank you, Joe. Yeah, just to give you a little bit of background on Genius Sports, uh, very high level, the Genius Sports Group is a sports technology company. It was uh, formed uh, originally back in 2000 and started as a sports betting technology company or a odds generating uh, website that was an odds comparison site. That was under the one of the verticals now that we have under the Genius Sports Group called Bet Genius. Um, out of that evolved a sports betting distribution technology and software company that took the data, sports data from various sports around the world, for example, the English Premier League, and had proprietary algorithms that created uh, lines, odds, odds generation for bookmakers in regulated markets around the world. Um, that was very important to us as we set out that we wanted to be only in regulated markets and champion integrity. Um, part of what we've done now is as we've expanded the operation is that we now have a genius sport, which is the sports facing vertical, which collects uh, data and creates uh, products and services on behalf of leagues, federation and sports around the world. Uh, some of our clients include FIBA. Um, we provide integrity services to uh, the English Premier League through Datico, with a, which is their data monetization arm. And we work with La Liga on Spanish football. Um, we recently have created a, a sports media company, which is setting up in Los Angeles. And I can talk more about that further on down the road. Great. And then, Chris, how did you get to... to be working with Genius Sports. Tell us a little bit about your background. Right. <laughs> well, it's kind of an interesting uh -oh. story. From the point of my, <laughs> uh, from my point of view, I had worked in uh, PR, strategic communications, on behalf of highly regulated sectors around the world. I'd also worked with governments on G2G um, uh, operations, and I'd worked in Brussels, in Westminster, and then finally ending up um, in Washington, D.C., working on a campaign. It was then while I was here that I was approached by our CEO, Mark Locke. Um, I had three new job offers, 
uh, when I sat down with Mark, I found this the far most uh, interesting, fascinating um, area for me to kind of dive into. It was very new. And since for the past few years, I've been learning a lot. So the real opportunity for me is I love sports, A. Uh, B, I'm fascinated by technology. And it just seemed a great mix. And here in the U.S., really is on the cusp of a, a technology revolution in sports that is compelling and fascinating and um, has pulled me in. Great. Um, so when you talk about regulated markets for the people who don't understand kind of what that is and where the gambling market is legal and where it's not legal in the world right now, what, what are the – if you had to pick the three or four places where Genius Sports does business where gambling – is legal for consumers, uh, what, are, what are those places? And then more importantly, where are the areas in the world, including the United States and, and most of North America, I would guess, which has the largest potential once gambling becomes legal? That's, that's a fascinating question. Um, I mean, by regulated, um, we, we, we assume that those are jurisdictions where there is infrastructure, there is uh, legislation and there is a gambling regulator that oversees the enforcement of of the legislation and make sure that um, any operator is properly uh, investigated, due probity is conducted, and then they are granted a license. Now, the world leader, it's not perfect, but one of the world leaders in gambling regulation is the United Kingdom. I mean, I don't think it's a secret that the British like to gamble, that it's part of our, that sports betting is part of our culture, part of our DNA. I mean, I grew up walking past the bookies on my high street when I was mm. a kid. Everyone used to bet on the horses. But what has come out of that is the 2005 Gambling Act, in which the then minister, sports minister at the time, um, authored a bill that went through the House of Commons that modernized and put in place various careful restrictions and regulations on, on gambling. Recently, we've been involved in Colombia with the regulator there, Colwegos, who is following very much the Spanish and British model. These, again, we work in Spain as well as a regulated market where there are tight controls, purview of a minister who oversees it, and it is taxed regulated and overseen um, like any other business. Um, and our view is that is the way forward. Obviously, here in the United States, we don't operate with any of these what are called offshore operators who may have a license. I mean, you can go out and get a license. You may have read that New York Times article uh, when they did this uh, investigation into Curacao and, and U.S.-facing sports books and Costa Rica. You may get a license there. But it actually is kind of like sending in the top of your, your cereal packet and filling that out and you get a license. It doesn't quite have the same probity or weight that they're getting a license in the United Kingdom would have. And we do not act or work with any of these U.S. spacing sports books. Obviously, within the state of Nevada, we have William Hills, we have MGM, and we have the major casinos who have sports books. And they're now looking to take the next step forward, I believe, into the next generation of internet sports betting because it's pervasive, it's, it's global, and it's a $3 trillion industry. Trillion with a T, you just said, correct? With a T, yeah. Um, can you, and 
a lot of our listeners are actually from Asia too. How big is the market in a country like China or Korea or even Japan going forward? Could that be in, in comparison to the United States? Yeah, I, China is the great unknown because outside of the Chinese lottery, which does offer sports book, uh, gambling is illegal in China. However, um, as, as we know, gambling does go on there. A lot of sports betting goes on there. And there are uh, sports books that now have tie-ups with various other operations that um, offer, of, offer illegal or offshore um, uh, gambling to um, the Chinese population. It is a massive, massive market. And it is a huge black hole where from an integrity position, it's very hard to look into uh, the size of the market. I couldn't give you the numbers, but I know that it is a massive part of the market. The same thing with you know, South Korea and Japan, but they are different. They have regulations in place. Um, my understanding is they're looking to modernize those regulations and bring things more in line where the rest of uh, regulated markets are coming from, such as the United Kingdom. Spain, Colombia, and other parts of the world. Great. Are there, um, are there, any, are there any signs of, of it changing in China? I think that that's a very interesting question. I think as China, I mean, one of the big sports in China is obviously uh, soccer or football, as we call it in the UK. Um, as, this, as the Chinese want to and have been investing massively into sports and are looking to position themselves as a world leader in Soccer, for instance, obviously the NBA is, is heavily involved in, in and invested into China. They, I think they are going to take a position, this is just purely my view, um, based on you know, my own research, that down the line they're going to modernize their regulatory system. They know that yeah, prohibition doesn't work because people will find a way around it. With the internet being as pervasive as it now, with apps on your phone, people can pay, take bets pretty much from anywhere in the world. I mean, Africa is a huge market and it's growing rapidly. So my view is that long, short, medium to long term, they will need to address this issue. But I think they need to get their house in order in first uh, and, and then go from there. Mm -hmm. um, Chris, can you talk about what data integrity is now? Now, people in the United States, especially kind of the old school sports fan knows about you know, scandals in college basketball and the Black Sox and the fear of, you know, you know, that the game will be tainted forever if things aren't on the level. And, and I would imagine a lot of what Genius Sports does is protecting that data integrity, both in legalized markets and letting, you know, leagues like La Liga know when something may be going on that that's illegal. So how how does that work and, and how does where is kind of the the downstream data going where, where, and how does it work where, where the company is, is protecting that data or making sure that everything is on the up and up for both the consumers uh, and the leagues and the teams that you work with? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that is a part of a service that we offer through uh, a piece of kit or a piece of software and educational service called Sport IM. Um, the Sport Integrity Monitor or Sport IM um, monitors in real time uh, the lines, the odds around the world that on wages that are being placed on 
uh, um, to give you an example for the English Premier League, we monitor all bets that are struck across the market worldwide to to watch for any abnormalities or potential abnormalities. So we have the we've developed the algorithm that is a predictive probability tool. That predictive prob- probability tool is the fundamental, the underpinning piece of technology that allows our customers, which are the sports betting companies, to set the lines so that if there's any deviation from the expected probability of a game, to give you an example, Man United against Hull, um, if in that Premier League game the expected outcome would be a 2-1 or a 3-0 victory more likely to Man United against Hull, and the lines start to deviate in a particular market from that expected outcome, probability outcome, then it is our job to feed back to the Premier League that there may be something going on here. Nine times out of ten, it's something perfectly innocent, like a couple of injuries on the Man United side. There may be um, weather conditions, but we just keep an eye um, across the markets, we obviously we only act in regulated markets, and in those markets we have very good relationship with, with the bookmakers. It's not in the bookmakers' interest to have any untoward activity. So usually we will get an alert from them if they see, for example, a bunch of new accounts that are opened up online that are suddenly moving money, moving the market, and moving the line away from what is the expected outcome. So we keep with the eyes and ears of the leagues. We then report back to them with any questionable, and we have a flagging system of red, amber, green, where we are moving through each and every game that we may see something unusual happening. And how does that, what's the kind of reporting system? How does it get back to someone, you know, a, a head of gaming or a head of data or security at a league? Uh, how fast does that happen? That happens in real time. So that wow. if if something if something starts to look potentially questionable, again, you know, um, nine times out of ten, you know, it is that it is completely explicable. But we will report in real time. Now, the, often that will happen straight away because the bookmakers will, the sports books will start to close their markets immediately when they see something that doesn't look right. We will get that intelligence straight away. We will feed that back to the league, to the sport, to flag it. Um, and sometimes in pre-game, we can see the lines moving in a way that we might not expect. That allows us then to go back to the league and say, hey, you might want to look at this. And that kind of intelligence allows them to perhaps go in, have an educational project with that particular team or those particular uh, officials to say, hey, we, 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 we just want to be very mindful here that there seems to be something unusual happening and uh, they just have a word. Mm-hmm. Um, before we talk about kind of the business or the, the potential business in the United States, just in general, not with this specific sport, um, one of the things that, that Maurice and is well aware of and that we've talked about in, in other places and Genius Sport, I guess, is getting more involved in is the world of gaming and esports. Um, is there a – how does a company get involved with esports 
where is the gambling or gaming going on in legal places, and what is that marketplace like compared to, say, you know, traditional sports like football or American football or cricket uh, in the world? Where, where does all that kind of sit? And Maurice, obviously, feel free to chime in on, on some of your, your thoughts on the issue as well. I think having an involvement with a company like yours is a tremendous asset because one of the biggest problems and a solution that that you can bring is uh, the problem of integrity. Um, you know, throughout the, especially when you're looking at the early days of, of, of esports, you see there's a lot of illegal betting issues, legal betting issues now. Um, and having a partner like Genius Sports like what you're doing with sky betting, especially what you're doing with face it um, can bring integrity to this marketplace. And there's a lot more needed because especially as the industry is growing and becoming more uh, mainstream and getting more mainstream investment, these investors and, 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 and the audience will expect the same integrity levels as you have in La Liga or the Premier League for a for a for any esports competition or esports league, and you know, I would love to hear your thoughts about what you think is what exactly you know Genius could bring to the table for esports and what the potential is in the future. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that, I mean, it's a fascinating area right now. I think you're right that integrity absolutely needs to be addressed as the number one issue. It's it's such a new um, and I dare say some people would contend with it, sport, e-sports. Um, there's a lot of different um, opinions on that. But as a industry, as a sector, uh, for us, it's been a major focus. Um, I think coming back to Joe's original question from the um, gaming, online gaming opportunity, um, we offer League of Legends in-game betting for Skybet, for example, in the United Kingdom. Um, and a you know again uh, Counter Strike is hu- not hugely bet on, but it is a growing market for the likes of Skybet for the Danish lottery Danskespil. In fact, in that region, uh, betting on esports is, is huge. But when you have that activity, the best approach is to bring it into the light and to treat it in a transparent manner as much as you can. Now, recently, Evan Novi Williams at Bloomberg, uh, gosh, it wasn't recently, like a year ago, wrote a story about the skin betting market. And he opened up a can of worms about a whole market out there where uh, skins or objects from uh, counter strikes are bought and sold or traded online in a, you could call it a form of gambling. And there have been question marks raised around it. So, again, come back to what you're saying, Moise. The best approach is like our recent um, partnership with Faceit, where you do official data deals with data providers or, or, and, and esports in particular, where tournaments, leagues, um, we partner with them to not only monetize their data in international regulated sports betting markets, but now what we are seeing a huge growth of is in predictive analytics because the same algorithms that will predict the intended um, outcome of a game or next action in the game 
are the same algorithms that can be used in um, OTT broadcasts, in in-game predictive analytics that give you an idea as to what Team Dignitas might do next, who's most likely to win the next uh, round, uh, which player is, mo is most likely to do an intended action. And that kind of data-rich and, and visualization-rich um, information allows newcomers to access esports. It allows new people to, to get a comprehension of what is really going on in the game. Um, I hope that answers some of your questions. Chris, you hit it right on the point. It's about, you know, besides integrity, when you're looking at, at visual analytics, it's about bringing in that mainstream audience. It's about making the barrier to entry as low as possible. And these kind of partnerships, you know, significantly help that. Correct. Um, so, so talking about switching over to, to the U.S. market now, everyone has seen the statements by Adam Silver, other commissioners, with the exception of the NFL, um, Don Garber, um, talking about the legalization of, of gambling in the United States. Uh, at some point, somewhere in the future, there is a, a bill that was introduced, and we're here uh, recording this at the end of May, um, a bill that was re uh, produced in Washington this week. As a matter of fact, it's reported by, by David Purdom at ESPN Chalk, uh, which could somehow find the repeal of the laws uh, and kind of open up the marketplace on either the federal or the state lines for for legalization of gambling. Um, with a company like Genius Sports, is that something that would be involved, uh, you would be involved with from the beginning once things happen? And is it kind of a tutorial that goes along and awareness working with, comp with groups like the American Gaming Association to make sure that people understand what the real opportunities here and how it would work? So what, what's kind of the role that, that, that you would play in the United States um, with any kind of, of legalized gambling, is it, where, where's the opportunity for, you know, not just for Genius Sports, but for any company that, that would want to be involved once gambling becomes legal in the United States? Yeah, Joe, that, that's, that's a fascinating question. On the, the, I think it's the Gaming Accountability and Modernization Enhancement Act that um, has been introduced by, I think, ranking member Frank Lone. I mean, I can't speak to that directly, but I think the wider question around the legalization of sports betting uh, in, the, in the United States and the, and the potential repeal of PASPA, which would need to happen in order to make that happen, is, is, is crucial. Um, I think what Genius Sports uh, brings to the table is that part of um, what Commissioner Silver's uh, opinion editorial was about and other comments that have been made by the other leagues is about protecting the integrity of the game. Correct. And as the world's leading uh, in tech sports integrity provider, Genius Sports is in a unique position in, able, in, 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 in being able to educate sports leagues, uh, officials, federations, and general key opinion leaders on how sports integrity systems work. If we go back to the time of PASPA, everyone had dial-up modems. There wasn't the pervasiveness of internet betting as we have right now. So things have moved on. 
Um, I think that there are some folks in Washington, D.C., and at state level who are not aware of how fast things have moved on. And what we can bring to the table as well is that we have very good partnerships. So we work very closely with the Minister of Sport in the United Kingdom. We work very closely with the UK Gambling Commission. And the way that our sports legislation and um, gambling compliance uh, is set up is useful or could be useful to the leagues here as they move forward. But I think the key is, is that the leagues need to come together to talk about what this looks like. And in order to do that, they probably need to speak to people who are very informed, such as Rick Parry, who is the former CEO at Liverpool FC, and lifelong Liverpool fan. He formed the Parry Commission, Integrity Commission. He brought a bunch of stakeholders together to talk about how to protect the integrity of sport. And that is how the Premier League has built out its integrity system and enforcement going forward. So there's some lessons learned and some hard lessons learned in the UK. It's not perfect, but it's towards a better regulated market where we do not experience a great deal of challenges to professional sports integrity in the UK, particularly at the Premier League level and the higher levels of the sport. And there's a tremendous amount of money that, that is already made and could potentially be made in a market like the United States, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, on that note, I mean, it's it's worth looking at, you know, how much, you know, the, the Premier League has been able to sort of extend its, well, there's indirect revenue opportunities. So, for instance, the sponsorship of UK sport by betting companies rose to $100 million in 2015. That's $100 million in 2015. And it's estimated that yes, the year it'll be above $190 million. 10 out of 20 of the Premier League teams have betting companies as a principal sponsor, as a principal sponsor. And the smaller teams, such as West Ham United, that probably be quite alien to some of your US li- listeners, uh, have $8 million shirt sponsorship uh, per year sponsorship. There's indirect revenue opportunities as well from advertising. And, and, and so, again, what it does is it helps the Premier League extend its brand into markets around the world through the engagement with sports betting. And it also provides, I would imagine, a new revenue stream for teams, which inadvertently when people talk about, oh, you know, the high cost of tickets, the high cost of everything, at the end of the day, professional sports teams everywhere are business opportunities. So if you can find out other ways to bring in revenue, it actually holds down some of the the other costs as you know transfer fees go up, salaries go up, coaching fees go up. So so I mean the, the amount of revenue that could be brought in is is pretty high. In the United States, Chris, and then I'm going to turn it over to Maurice for a couple more questions before we wrap it up. Um, uh, in the United States, one of the things that has come along and kind of risen and fallen very quickly is daily fantasy and the, the money that was being put into it. Where does daily fantasy or any kind of fantasy sport, whether gambling or um, pay fantasy, fit into the lexicon today in terms of of what Genius Sports does, if it does at all? And where would it fit in, in your opinion, going forward 
um, you know, with gambling being legal? And also, does it fit anywhere in the world outside of the United States? There, there have been some clubs that have looked at daily fantasy. I'm not sure where it goes. Maybe you would know a little bit more about it at this point. Yeah, I think daily fantasy has been a, a great sort of test case for, you know, game of game of chance, you know, <laughs> game of skill, game of thrones. You know, there's been a massive amount of publicity created about it. Then he put on uh, here in Washington, D.C., on elected officials about whether it's gambling or not. Now, I think that's caused the league some pain. It's caused um, a lot of stakeholders some pain. But what it showed is, is that there's a tremendous appetite for higher engagement with sport and through technology and services. Now, where Daily Fantasy sits in the hierarchy of the British, uh, average British consumer or sports consumer or sports fan is much lower down the pecking order because we have in-game sports betting where you can bet on the next free kick, you can bet on the next goal, you can put a, a bet on the who's likely to score the, who's likely to score the next goal, Wayne Rooney at eight to one. And that is, that is where we see our engagement, and that much further down the pecking order is daily fantasy. However, here in the United States, it's cultural. It's part of what is done here, where uh, everyone gets involved. And, and I, that's what I see the likes of DraftKings and FanDuel and other actors out there um, capturing. The question is, where does it go moving forward? Do those daily fantasy you know, act, um, companies then take their databases and when and if and when sports betting becomes legal here in the United States, do they then look to integrate new technologies and new offerings in the sports betting market? I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine that's something that they, they'd be thinking about as businesses. Mm -hmm. And, and is, is it prevalent elsewhere? You know, I, I've seen some businesses like Mondo Goal come along and kind of come and go working, you know, with, with soccer clubs in the UK, or has the legal market just kind of overwhelmed that so that the market for fantasy is not something that's either culturally accepted or, or viable as a business outside of the United States? Very difficult for me to say because I couldn't give you the numbers. I'm, I'm not informed enough on that. But at a gut level, I would say that they are not, they do not have the critical mass in Europe, in Spain, in the United Kingdom, that they had hoped. And I think they've taken forays into uh, the UK. I think it was DraftKings who actually had to get a gambling license in the United Kingdom. Uh, Daily Fantasy is gambling. Um, and they have not seen the pickup that they had hoped. Um, so I don't know long term, but my gut says that it's not a, it's not a big growth market. I think that the current brands out there like Paddy Power Betfair, um, Skybet, all the big guys, they're not really, although I, 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 I contradict myself in the sense that Paddy Power Betfair just um, uh, acquired a daily fantasy company here in the United States. So there must be some, there must be some uh, focus on the U.S. market, but outside the U.S., I don't think it's, I don't think it's a goer. You know, before we end our, our, our last questions, just, just something, because this is so fascinating, especially conversation about daily fantasy. In your opinion, you know, if the if the uh, uh, if the legalized betting goes goes through in the U.S., 
Do you think that will actually have a negative effect towards daily fantasy? Because as you as you said before, in England, where there is a lot of legalized betting, basically on every minor park, daily fantasy is not picking up as much. So do you think that is because maybe because they have so many other options of you know gambling or 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 or, or skill based you know. Uh, betting they can do? Yeah, again, that's a very good question. Difficult to look into the crystal ball and go, what's going to happen next? But I think that once in-game betting uh, was available here and regulated and on your phone, as it is in the UK, with the ability to bet in-game, I think that it would eclipse daily fantasy. That's not to say that it would eradicate daily fantasy, but it would eclipse it from a from a product offering point of view, um, I think once you're, you know, once you're kind of in-game um, uh, betting on a game, you, you, it, it, it's, it's highly engaging and it, and it has a potential to, um, I think, override daily fantasy. Um, but that's, that's not to say, as I said before, that the daily fantasy brands that are out there, DraftKings fans, you'll obviously being the most prominent and who are now, I believe, coming merging, uh, will not then turn into online sports books that offer in-game and part and one of the products they offer is uh, services they offer is daily fantasy. So I think it's both, but I think daily fantasy would be eclipsed by in-game. The technology, at least from what I've seen, with what's happening with our company and the innovation and the new products and services that are coming out for all our customers because we're a B two B business that supply all the regulators the vast majority of tier one bookmakers worldwide, the innovation that we have in new products and services is what will pull customers to sports betting sites. I don't see that same level of innovation on a month-to-month basis in the daily fantasy uh, sector. Got it. Um, So, um, Chris, before we wrap up, we have two questions that we always ask people. Um, Where should people go to get more information? So where do they find more about BetGenius? Uh, and Genius Sports. Um, and then where do you get your information from? Where, where are some of the sources that you go to? And then lastly, advice for people who are looking to come into the business when you talk to people, especially in a in a business such as analytics, data technology, data protection, gaming and gambling, um, relatively new. What advice do you give young people? So where do you get your information? Where can people find Genius Sports? And then what advice would you have for young people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think so where to get the information, probably the easiest way is to follow us on Twitter, at Genius Sports. Um, that will then take you back to the web, website. There's a lot of information that we tweet about. We talk about the new data deals that we do. We talk about integrity services. Um, so I think the first point of call is to follow us at Genius Sports and then go to the web, website, GeniusSports.com. That will give you a lot of historical information, not only about the company, but about how sports leagues, federations, teams are embracing technology. Um, on the advice side, it's, it's as you said, Joe, it's technology, technology that is driving this uh, this industry now, the sports industry, whether it's player tracking, uh, whether it's data monetization through uh, commercialization of data in sports betting, in media, it's 
virtual reality. It's esports. Um, so from from that point of view, the most I would go to a place like Sports Techie. They're a great um, source of information. Um, and then of course scouring across uh, places like from Bloomberg Sports, which again is a great understanding at the business level, at the highest level, where the money's moving, what's being invested into. That will tell you where the market is going. And I think that from a piece of advice to any prospective um, people out there who want to work in the sector, start at the top and then also start at the, uh, the technology side of it and see what's being innovated because that's where uh, we're seeing some fascinating stuff. Um, and then for, as far as my info, as I say, sports techie, but I scour across um, all different forms of media every day, seeing what's happening, what deals have been done, and what in the innovations, and plus keeping my ear to the train track, of course, to hear what might not have been announced yet. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, Chris Dugan, thanks for joining us on this edition of The Cusp Show. And more importantly, Maurice, thanks for standing in and, and pinch hitting for Tom as he's off doing other things this week. Poor. Thanks, Joe. Thank thanks, you, Chris. Maurice. Thank you. Thank you very much. Once again, this has been another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show. I'm Joe Favorito with my temporary co-host, Maurice Eisenman, and our guest, Chris Dugan. Thanks for listening in, and we'll see you down the line. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and my co-host is Joe Favorito. Our production assistant this week is Columbia student Maurice Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, the Columbia University Sports Management Program, by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.